0: Welcome to Living Holistically with Dane and Indy,
1: where we empower you with the tools and knowledge of some of our favorite experts to help create your optimal health and lifestyle.
0: We're your hosts, parents to three chickens and a dog in the hills of Melbourne, novice gardeners and health coaches serving other couples.
1: Thank you for being here today. We hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, we have Charles Barber, an agronomist, farmer, herbalist, product formulator, astrologer. Alchemist, holistic practitioner and food scientist, just to name a few. He has spent the past 14 years developing foods as medicine as CEO of Crucial Four and Crucial Four Farms. He specialises in developing nutrient dense herbs, mushrooms and foods into easy, convenient solutions for us all. We dive into quality, processing, nutrient deficient foods, soil and so much more. So make sure you listen right to the end. As always, make sure to check out the full show notes for everything we talk about today. And if you'd like to try any of the Crucial 4 products, including our favorite salt on earth, Icelandic Flake Salt, head on over to crucial4.com and use code HOLISTIC10 to get 10% off your first order. One more thing before we get stuck in, we're so excited to share with you, Indy and I will be running a live masterclass on the 2nd of March on how to create optimal health that lasts without any of the crazy workouts, diets, or a ton of supplements. So if you've been wanting to make health changes that really stick, we'd love for you to join us. Link in show notes for all the details or head straight to liveholistically.com.au forward slash masterclass to register. Charles, thank you so much for coming on our podcast, and we are I am definitely super excited about what you want to share today in regards to nutrition and food. Just for our audience that aren't familiar with Crucial Four or with yourself personally, would you like to share a little bit about your journey that got you to where you are today and what why you created Crucial four?
2: Absolutely, and and so grateful to be here now with you guys. Uh, my journey started actually when I was in high school, probably even middle school. Yeah, I was always super active. Um, I spent a lot of my summers on a farm experiencing garden veggies and farm life through my grandpa. And um, it wasn't soon after that, you know, when I would go to the brick and mortar institution school that my energy just wasn't the type of energy that was meant to be, you know, sit down and regurgitate and really loved creating with my hands and moving, and uh, the way I learned, you know, it was very physical and hands-on. So that right there, you know, what happens when you're too energetic, right? They try to give you pills, and so that is where I feel like my journey started because I never really took the medication. Um, I did a handful of times, but I immediately saw how my energy shifted and didn't feel well. And so, I um, rejected that and, and was on this course, right, to look, to for search for things. And it wasn't until about 19, 20 years old when um, I got real deep into self development. Like, I, I think it was Napoleon Hill, was what I was reading Think and Grow Rich. And I always had a very spiritual, religious background. Um, and so I just started to kind of create vision boards and I had epiphanies and what are, some people call it Kundalini experiences. But um, I ended up just getting dialed in with nutrition. I actually saw a Curlian image, Curlian photography, which was a technology that U.S. stole from Russia. And it basically showed the electromagnetic energy field of a certain food in this case, it was a maca root, I think was the first one I saw. And it, it all just was like, boom, like something slapped you on the third eye. It it made so much sense just seeing it and reading about how oh this food's alive. Like, and I've always just eaten like cooked food. And this and like this whole correlation with like, well, I need to eat food that's raw. And then the whole idea of like, well, it's not just raw versus cooked. It's, density and certain foods have more density than others and then that led down the herbal realm and the mushroom realm and then things like spirulina and then the Zarny stuff like ants and elk velvet you know and colostrum you know it's just like down the rabbit hole we go and that's what really kind of I guess got me on that path you know it's like it started in my in middle school but it wasn't until of my you know 19 1920 that I really was able to create what i felt like was a, a solution to what i was always searching for which is you know understanding that food can be a poison or it can be a medicine and this whole kind of idea that the problem is a solution in, in that sense you know um and then that you know i was went raw vegan for like seven eight years and then after, after that i went raw primal and then i went more vegetarian and started cooking and and that's kind of where I am now. You know, I've tried doing more keto and I see all these isms that you see out now, these trends. I've pretty much tried them all. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm at where I'm at now, which is what I call the no diet diet, really. Um, but with the preface of like all this knowledge and understanding that I acquired through like a decade to be able to say that, because when you just say no diet, it's like, oh, just eat whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. Uh, but really, starting to understand quality and the soil and the environment, and and then also our physiology, and and then tying that in with astrology and the macro and the micro and alchemy and things, you know. So, so yeah, so that's kind of what I guess started my path. I um, hope that answered that. Not too long-winded for you. And if I, if I need to elaborate, please direct me. I can be long-winded and I just don't want to do that to you guys right now, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's all good. And um, when you yeah, talk about astrology and stuff, did you get into some of like the biodynamic um, type theory? and?
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, that biodynamics and Steiner is what led me to astrology because up until that I was a, you know, quote-unquote raised Christian, so I was always taught astrology was like witchcraft, you know, and Alchemy is like this voodoo stuff. Um, And then once I got into Steiner's work and what he was doing with biodynamics and then seeing that applied and then eating from biodynamic farms as I traveled around the world as my journey continued and saw that. um, Yeah, it really got me deeper into it. And it really hasn't been until the last two or three years that I've gotten even deeper into astrology and, and understanding how the seasons are tied to it understanding how all the myths that we've ever learned about are tied to it even Santa Claus you know you have a lot of people talk about Santa Claus as the shaman with the mushroom story but that's actually not the original story there's actually a gland in your body that produces an oil and it's they call it the colostrum or the Santa Claus and that story actually originates uh, through the process a physiological process of your chrism oil that that basically gets the, you know sent from your third eye if you will or near it in your cerebellum down into your solar plexus and we won't go down that path but um i'm, I'm gonna do a an email about it so if you guys check that out it'll be coming through
0: and when did sort of crucial four um begin or how does that tie into your journey
2: so crucial four started as superfood alchemy was the original name and that started when i was like 20 so i went raw vegan I was uh working in a health food store in the supplement section. I started noticing people coming to for supplements. But my my boss at the time, and, and mind you guys, I didn't know anything back then. This was 1920. I was just started being raw vegan, just had my epiphany, decided to work in a health food store. She's putting me in supplements because I went to school for biochemistry and horticulture. So I kind of and I you know, my mom was always kinda giving us supplements here and there, like fish oil and stuff like that, multivitamin stuff. So but I, I was really pushing people more towards the vegetables than the supplements. And that's kind of like where Crucial 4 really started because I always wanted it to be food as medicine, right? Not food as poison. And so I just kind of sat out to like, okay, cacao, awesome. And then that's a superfood and, and you know, how's that look in maca, you know, and all these things on top of vegetables. And, uh was graced by the universe with meeting amazing people like david wolf and a few guys that are kind of the originators of a lot of these foods whether we want to admit it or not you know a lot of people do not like david wolf and um but i feel like he's a big piece of why we're even all into health as far as herbs go and and, and superfoods and whatnot so I got to meet him, and then he, he blessed me with some contacts that are still like really good friends and partners um, because a lot of the companies that develop superfoods now are all bought out by huge conglomerates. And so uh, so many companies now that sell superfoods, there's millions now. Back then there was hardly any. Now there's millions of them. They all buy from a huge conglomerate that's literally bought up all these small vendors. I've been graced and, and lucky And it's all in my birth chart, too, which is kind of funny um, to be partnered up with a guy who's on the ground in South America. He moves to goes to India quite a bit, goes to Southeast Asia quite a bit. And um, yeah, he's like taught me everything. We're really good friends. He has his own private little company that he sells to like and there's like 10 of us that we work with him directly and uh, yeah, and then all the people I've met through the last, you know, that's 19, I'm 35 now, so do the math, right? So that's almost 16 years. So I've also acquired a lot of other relationships beside that one. But that one was really what started it all, you know, and and really, because he was able to teach me about like, wh- how, what is quality? What is, how is it measured and what to look for? And then, okay, now we've got a good raw material. Now we got to process it. What does that look like? The manufacturing of it, the grinding of it, the, or the, you know, whatever process happens. And 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 then how is it packaged? And do they send it over with a stamp that says, do not irradiate it or not? And, and certain things, like little things that no one's doing still to this day, I know, because I call and ask, you know, I'm like, do you guys do X, Y, Z? They're like, what are you talking about, you know? So, so yeah, you know, that, that's kind of what started it. I, I, you know, for the most part, it's just getting grace with amazing connections and, you know, having my energy and my intention set in that space, you know, and, you know, being poor for a very, really long, long time. <laughs> because, you know, it's like, you're supposed to sell, you know, get some celery. The boss, you know, my boss at the time was like, we well, you're supposed to sell this supplement. You're never selling celery, man. Like, you know, like this isn't going to make anyone any money. And then when I first started bringing in these superfoods, I just kind of, you know, people would ask for my name at these, at this initial, this little spot I worked at, you know, uh, 16, 15 years ago. And, and, it was just kind of weird, you know, how it all happened. I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and you know, so I'm kind of like jumping around here. But I had this knack to just work with people. And as a double scorpion sign, you know, we're like the magnetic healers along with the Pisces sign. So it just made sense. Um, It was easy. It was the first time in life I did something that was so effortless but brought so much joy to my life. Just seeing people get better because I got better. Like it was like food really helped me. I just need to share this message to like everyone. And I'd like be at gas stations telling people about cacao and stuff. And, everything. you know, if I see someone with this stuffy nose, I'm like, oh, you know, you know, da, da, da. I'm not like that now. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's what started it. Then I ended up uh, starting a clinic. I partnered up with a guy doing ozone in Dallas And we partnered up, we shared a space. He was doing ozone, taught me everything about Cold Plasma Ozone, worked with a lot of the Tesla ozone machines. Um, and he was, you know, he was about fifteen years older than me at that time. And then after that, it just I it just grew word of mouth. Like I have no investors. I had like five hundred bucks to my name when I first started everything. Like I got called up or My buddy, I was like, "Dude, I got 500 bucks. I know you're used to having people spend like 20, 30 K to acquire cacao and, and metric tons and send them over in the containers. And, um, he was just like, Hey, I'm gonna help this kid out. You know, he's like 20 years old, you know, like, we'll just get him started, see what he can do. And here we are now crushing it. But yeah, never had any. Any mommy daddy money or anything like that. My parents are wanting to disown me. You know, they're like, "Oh my God, you're gonna start your own business? You're going to college? Like, you need to go to college and get a real job. You know, like you're not gonna get make any money helping people with their health." You know, and ironically enough, though, my mom got breast cancer about three or four years into this journey, and I had I had shown her a lot of the mushrooms and herbs and you know the diety and, and things to that she could potentially look at. And she applied it, and she healed. You know, like she, her body healed, and it that to me, like I get <laughs> I get emotional thinking about it. But it's like, holy shit, right? Like I'm just like, so that that was a big like. This is what you're supposed to like. Keep going, bro. Like, don't worry, don't, don't care, don't cares about money. Like, you don't need money. Like, you just. And then you know, like there's this saying, "Throw your heart over the ledge, and the rest will follow." I just felt like. Was the journey initially, you know? So
1: that's so good. We resonate with all of that we're just nodding and smiling the way the whole time just in agreement with that whole and that's why again we say that constantly in our podcast but people like yourself we bring on because we're very conscious of the world out there and around us and as you mm-hmm. said too a lot of the companies selling out even companies that we may have supported recently like getting more clued on or conscious of them selling out to other bigger companies whether it's pharmaceuticals or Garden nutraceuticals was a recent one. Um, I think Garden of Life was someone big as well that we kind of liked mm-hmm. and knew but now they sold out to Nestle and so so we're very conscious of how it's like a very profit-driven world um, for the majority, but the, what we want to try to do as well is bring people like yourself together and support that, and get the message out there, and start to sort of really. And there's a lot of great people like yourself out there as well. So to get this message out is so important for us to, um, yeah, to do. And we feel called, really called to do that. And it's like could, we really believe so much in that as well. We ne- will never sell out to any degree but we want to be yeah. with people and we can people sort of, that
0: don't have a price
1: <laughs> yeah we really don't care again the money's on a big thing for us again the impact and and we're really passionate about our health and nutrition and everything holistic health as well so that's just a, a big driver for us and it's great that we can connect and we as resonate with people like yourself as well and it's no coincidence that it's just like the energy like energy attracts like energy so um with the sort of Crucial 4 Farms that you're on now, I know you're sharing a lot on Instagram, which is really cool, and about soil, and obviously you have like sort of a deep uh, passion understanding about that. Would you share a bit more about that side of things and at your farm?
2: Absolutely. So, Crucial 4 Farms is really the evolution of Crucial 4, you know, it's just like you think about some of these guys that created awesome things, they have a lot, they have a pivot a lot, and so... As the years progressed and as more vendors came about, I noticed quality just going down. So I just wanted to take it into my own hands. And I'd always been into farming. I mean, I was raised around it. And I went to school for it. And so it was only kind of natural for me to get here where I am now. But like I said, I didn't have mommy, daddy money. So i had been saving to get to this point. But at Crucial 4 Farms, I'm really wanting to develop things that, A, aren't even available on the market, certain herbs and aspects, but really focusing on regenerating the land, remineralizing the land. Uh, I'm a president of an association here in Texas known as the BFA, which is developing a meter that's going to allow us to be able to see the nutrient density in like normal foods like carrots and and lettuce and tomatoes. And initially, I never wanted Crucial Four Farms to be that. I wanted it to be a superfood farm. Like I I've got my, my vision board up here. You guys can't see it, but that's some of those words on there are over 12 years old. It says superfood farming, but things change, you know. I'm, I'm still growing ashwagandha, and like we just brought back some blue butterfly seeds from our stock, ashwagandha seeds as well, so I'm, gr- I'm growing those out, and then I'm, I'm real big on how things get manufactured and processed. That's like the stifler for me, and So freeze drying and fermentation and slow air drying, dehydrating, that's kind of like where I like to be. Um, And it's really hard to get herbs done that way. Herbs um, usually are – there's a lot of ethanol used in their processing. The water they use is nasty. Uh, Super toxic water that's used, uh, which not a lot of people talk about, especially anything and everything from China – We've actually switched more to. I know Taiwan's part of China, but they were way cleaner standards there. Uh, moving more towards uh, Thailand and Laos, and in certain areas, my wife's Laos, so we've been there. You know, we go there, you know, so we can see. So we can see, you know, everything, and and, and so, anyways, the herbs you know, I'm real stiffler on on how they're processed. You know, you always see like a 50 to one or a 30 to one, and that's usually like run the other way, but everyone's like, oh, it's so potent. And when you look at a lot of these herbs, they all have the same color and the same, they, they don't really have a smell. Um, and, but it's especially the Chinese herbs in particular, um, and a lot of the Ayurvedic herbs as well. So, um, So, yeah, so it's like crucial for farms initially was like, we're going to grow a lot of these herbs we already currently sell. We're just going to grow them in a way more high quality way. Well, at the same time that all this was happening, I got downloaded with this meter and this ability to measure nutrient density with normal food. So that kind of got thrown in the mix is like, hey, we need to be growing like tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes, because most garden veg that's grown by small farmers I'm not talking about the big organic conglomerates. I'm talking about like your farmer's market growers, and I'm not here to talk crap about them because I'm glad they're doing what they're doing. But the soils are so messed up that they're growing a lot of hybridized genetics because a lot of us small farmers, we get the worst seed stock. We get little seed packs, right? And a lot of people don't understand the seed industry and how the seed industry works, you know, and they screen out seeds. And so the idea is that like people see a, a pack of seeds, they'll say, oh, a thousand seeds in there. But in reality, you don't you don't necessarily want a quantity. You want quality. So you want more girth on those seeds and you want those seeds to be more robust. But we don't ever get those as consumers. So most people grow a lot of these hybrids. Um, and so I'm like going and trying to grow heirlooms. And it's been so, some of the most discouraging things to do because I, I get like my first year, I get nothing hardly as a crop, but I have to keep those seeds that next year. And then that year, now I'm starting to get somewhere. So it just takes so much time and effort to grow these standard market veggies that you can't really sell for much money. And it's so much energy and, and labor cost. You know, I have a guy that helps me out here. So, and then managing that, you know, it's been <laughs> interesting. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of crucial for farms in a nutshell. We are also doing mushroom production, um, you know, and so I'm growing cordyceps here on the farm. And we're bringing in a container, and uh, there's a whole story on cordyceps. I just got interviewed uh, on a mushroom summit about that and what what's in the industry because you know, as you guys know, most cordyceps is just mycelium, and and what is a fruiting body is coming from China and they uh, they don't reproduce. So they don't drop spores. So they're basically sterile commercial genetics, even though they're fruiting bodies. And not a lot of people know this. And the reason why is because of how they feed the substrate of the cordyceps, which naturally would obviously grow on an insect. Uh, The FDA has outlawed that. That's illegal. I can't grow cordyceps on insects, Uh, but I can grow them on eggs from my chickens who eat my spent cordyceps cakes. Because I don't put mycelium in our cordyceps product. It's fruiting bodies, right? And I've been working with a guy here in the States who's been collecting genetics from all over the world and getting wild cordyceps genetics, mainly in America, but some are coming from you know, Europe and developing those. And so we've been playing with those genetics and doing some DNA sequencing to see if we can create a commercial strand that does drop spores, which they all, the ones we work with, do. They, they, or else we couldn't do the work we do. Um, and, and then on top of that, like making sure we're feeding them the right stuff because huge mushroom movement right now, as we all know, most mushrooms are grown um, on like the most crappiest substrates ever, like straw or hay or grain. And, they're, and these are medicinal mushrooms, particularly I'm, I'm speaking of. And then when you try to compare that to a wild mushroom, it's like night and day. Which is why we mainly source wild mushrooms like our Rishi and our chaga and whatnot, because of what I'm finding out in this last six eight months is that they're just doing like the bare minimum just to get that reishi to grow, and but if you gave that reishi substrate some nutrients like what we're doing with the cordyceps, like I really feel like you could raise the standard of commercially viable. Mushrooms, because we can't take everything from the wild. We have to honor Mother Earth and we can't rape and pillage. Like we have to be, you know, conscious of that, you know. And the other thing is, is mushrooms are remediators. So if we go back and look at the history of mushrooms, they're actually cleaning up the land. So like, for example, after Fukushima happened, you saw a lot of people harvesting wild mushrooms in in uh, California, and Paul Stamets was, like, coming out saying, don't eat those mushrooms. They're probably radioactive. They're cleaning things up, you know. So we live in a different time now, you know. Like, we just go out and get wild herbs and mushrooms and things. It, you got to be real careful where you get them. Um, and you have to get them from really clean areas, uh, And then, which leads us to cultivation. But then for cultivation, you know – like, there's a lot of money in mushroom cultivation. Like, you have one, it goes two. Two goes to four. Four goes to eight. Eight goes to 16. Like, you can make good money, but people are just now learning, I feel like, how to do these things. Whereas in in, in your you know Asia, they've really dialed it in with using wood as the substrate versus, like, blocks and logs that are just stuffed with spent grain from bre- brewers or straw or, you know— Whatever, just weak, weak sauce, <laughs> substrates. So, so yeah, so that's crucial for farms in a nutshell. We're also going to be acquiring some land up north to do uh, some medical marijuana stuff as well, uh, which I hate saying medical marijuana, it's medical cannabis. Uh, but I've been doing that all day today. So, that word is like what I've been told to say to the investors. But, anyways, yeah, so. So that's crucial for farms you know i, I want to expand the model i want to grow food everywhere all over the world you know and and i'm not that's that's what i'm gonna do till the day i die is doing this work you know restoring the earth and so much we could talk about with that in itself re you know using the right type of soil test versus what's commonly used uh there's a guy named william Albrecht. i'll just drop this note and one can bounce but william Albrecht was basically at post-World War II, he was coming out and giving all this valuable information with Kerry Reams, who, and they, these guys really figured out, and guess who they hung out with? Uh, Weston A. Price. Y'all know that guy, right? So these guys are all in cahoots together. They're figuring it out, but post-World War II, what happened in America, right? All the fertilizers got brought in. The labels got switched, and so there's this huge agenda to push this conventional agricultural model. Um and Albrecht just got swept under the rug. So we have these amazing people, these geniuses that were actually showing us how to create more nutrient density in food post the Dust Bowl. Dust Bowl is something that happened in America uh, because we tilled every we just kept tilling. Uh, and that's why we have so much CO2 in the air. Everyone thinks it's from restaurant sets and cars, but it's actually from tillage. There's more CO2 in the earth and organic matter than we could ever imagine And when you chill that up, it just, it goes up into the air. So
0: this episode is brought to you by Barclay eyewear, the only blue blockers created by a health professional, and that will protect you from day to night from the harmful spectrums of artificial light. If you haven't heard what all the fuss is about, make sure you check out season one, episode six, where Dane and I delve into all things light and circadian rhythms to understand why these are a game changer for your health. And to say thank you for your support, we've got an exclusive discount of 15% off if you use the code HOLISTIC15. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C-1-5. Just head to BarkleyEyewear.com. That's B-A-R-K-L-E-Y-E-Y-E-W-E-A-R.com. Yeah, there's so many ways we could go with that. I know. But I guess... Um what do you think then is like the biggest problem with the current nutrition paradigm and food paradigm system?
2: It's just how it's cultivated. Because almost as you know, a, you know, not everyone's getting wild herbs and mushrooms and foods like we specialize in. Most of it's organic. But like say a lot of these green powders out there that have say powdered broccoli or pea protein. Let's think of some of the big ones that are out there. Those are coming from California. They're grown with fracked water. They're grown with organic standards. They are, but there's no nutrients in it. It's the mineral density of it isn't there. If, if we're going to truly change, so that that's what I feel like is the main issue is that the soils are so depleted and they haven't been properly remineralized that these genetics are becoming weaker and weaker and they're all hybridized anyways, which is weird if you think about how to create a hybridized genetic. It's basically inbreeding. And I always tell them what happens when you inbreed humans. Right? What happens? But we're inbreeding food and we don't think twice about it. And it's a hard pill to swallow because we don't really have a choice right now. You know, like I don't want to freak everyone out, but the 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 light at the end of the tunnel is that we're we have an option and there's a few people out there that are actually aware of it and they're making that change happen and getting us back to more of these heirloom genetics. So I'd say genetics and the food or the soil is, is the biggest issue in the nutrition paradigm as a, as a whole before I would say this diet's better than that diet, right? You know, because that's, a, that's another issue is that like people jump on diets. And I think a big reason why is because people are so vowed of minerals that they've lost their ability to have an intuition have lost their ability to be able to connect to spirit and to have their own voice uh, because I truly believe we're all geniuses and we all have the potential of the I am presence that God said we were and, and that he is and within us. And and I think no one knows more than you do, you know, because in the end, nothing else really matters. But your life, you can try to say, you know, so and so did this to me and makes me feel this way. But ultimately, that's back to you again um And I guess we're not able to express that genius when we're, you know, filled of chemicals and devout of minerals.
0: Yeah. And I think another thing is we we're so hungry and craving so much because we're so devout of minerals, you know, like nothing can ever satisfy us. And that's, I think, something people don't realize when, like, you know, they're looking at why I need to eat so much or why. You know, because it ends up being, I think, more costly than eating really good, say, biodynamic food um, when you're eating conventional food because you're having to eat so much just for your body to feel, you know, some sense of...
2: Satisfied, <laughs> um, nourished, yeah, nourishment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even organic food, right? It's I feel like the organic food is on that level. You know, someone who's, you know, tried, been eating organic for a long time, I just like, I refuse to go to Whole Foods and buy any vegetables, you know, but... Up until three years ago, like it was farmer's markets, you know, and then before then it was Whole Foods and then up three of all farmers. And then now it's like, we'll just eat what's coming out of the garden. (laughs) Um, Or if I know a farmer, because I had a lot of pushback when I went to the farmer's markets and I was explaining the whole meter and how we need to spend more money on doing the right test and bringing the right minerals. These farmers looked at me like, I throw a little cow doodoo on there and a little this and I'm good to go. And it's certified organic. I don't see the problem, you know, and I get it. They're old school. That's why I gave them that, that, you know, um, cadence, I guess. And so (laughs) 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 country folks, you know, you know, they're trying to make a living, Mm. you know, they don't have a supplement company like me. Right. And, and they're, they're farmers from day one and they're just trying to get by and, and, Gosh, bless their hearts. You know, it's like that's a that's a struggle in itself. So it's definitely better to eat local, but from what the the meters showing, we're seeing conventional food that's more mineral dense than some of this local organic food. Believe it or not, but it's but it's got chemicals in it, right? So it's, it might be more nutrient dense, but it's sprayed with chemicals. So the the, the data is so over across uh, all over the freaking place that like your head would spin if i showed you guys some of the some of this stuff we've been analyzing you know
0: yeah because this is a big big interest of ours um you know how how can we tell because we like obviously taste is one thing but how can you tell when you're trying to source it you know like where where is the best place majority of the time
2: and hopefully the meter will help uh, but your your best barometer is your taste buds and and anyone who's eaten from a biodynamic farm or had a chance to do that which I highly encourage anyone and everyone to at least just go and experience that because that will change your consciousness and once you are aware or conscious of that experience now your database for quality has changed you now have a better reference point for high quality and it's like and it, for me, that's what happened to me. You know, I ate a salad at a biodynamic farm and I was full for like six hours. And I was like, holy moly, like, what's in this? And it's like nutrient densities in it.
0: Yeah. And so. I guess that's a really important thing to get across to people that are listening because not, not even, I think in Australia, even though we have our own biodynamic. Um, Process that's called Demeter here, um, and it was actually founded by a guy not far from here, like a couple of hours in, inland. But he um, created this way where they remineralize the soil by putting cow manure in, no, yeah, compost in the horns and burying it for a certain amount of time. Sounds really crazy, but um, yeah, I think there's really a lack of. Knowledge When someone goes into a health food store today, half the time, I don't think people, I mean, I didn't even know up until, you know, several years ago, what biodynamic means. People almost like will shy away from it because it's, you know, it's not organic, <laughs>
2: you know? <laughs> well, it's, it's like information overload. We live in the day, de- you know, an age of information. And so people are so stressed out with life. And they're, again, filled with chemicals, devout of minerals, So now you're going to throw this on my plate. And it's just like people would rather just and it's probably better for most people to not psychologically take that in. You know, let let me hold that space for you because I'm going to actually go out and that's what I and and change that. Whereas in the average consumer, it's like sometimes I hold my tongue with some of this info, but I want people to know what the reality is. But at the same token, I don't want to like shit on everything yeah uh, excuse excuse my friend
0: yeah (laughs) yeah. for sure no i feel like we do that sometimes as well and gotta like you know remind um remind yourself yeah not to sort of shit all over everything (laughs) (laughs) because people yeah people do get you know feel constricted Then like what is safe what is good to Mm. have and stuff so i think like that would be a really important distinction to make Find um, a biodynamic farm at at the farmer's market or, you know, a health food store that stocks a lot of biodynamics um, or just a local farm if you're in that sort of space and area. Or grow your own, you know,
2: like grow your own (laughs) stuff. (laughs) It might not be the best ever and it Mm. might not have the Mm. minerals that I'm talking about. But the the idea of getting connected to your food Mm. has another huge psychological and spiritual Mm. um, connotation to it that. That regardless of the quality has its own preface, right? Like, holy, Mm. holy moly, Mm. that's powerful.
0: And what you find then as well is you have this newfound appreciation for how much your food actually should cost. Because you're going through the process of understanding how much care and is taken. It's a lot
1: of work grow to grow some lettuce. Like, yeah. we grow some rocket in the backyard. And it's like, it takes a lot of work. And then it's gone in, like, an instant. But mm-hmm. it tastes and it's just to be able to pick it and eat it directly is, like, it's unlike anything else that and, people and really then, don't experience. And then
0: you have a new respect and appreciation for the farmers that are making your food. And you can see why it would cost that much, you know?
1: Yeah, because the cost thing people don't want to spend so much money they think organic or eating such quality is so expensive and so even probably some of your products as well people might just question, oh, "I'm not going to mm-hmm. pay that for salt for instance," which is leads me into right. the next one which is get great. You
0: cheaper somewhere else.
1: Exactly. So yes, we
2: Absolutely. You, you can, you can get real cheap mm. shitty shots somewhere else. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> 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 anyway, at Kohl's, a Coles supermarket, anywhere like that, but that, that leads leads me in well into um your Icelandic flake salt that we um we just love over here and it to a staple in ours. And we actually got our friends onto it as well. And they love it now too, which is great. But getting that past sometimes for a lot of people I know to get past the barrier of even paying that money for the quality for us, it wasn't for me, it wasn't no brainer because it's just quality is first always. And oh, that um, says
2: a lot because you had to get it shipped all the way exactly, to Australia. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's okay. And, and it was it's worth it because
0: it's, it's balancing that appreciation for you know the whole food marbling and getting local but yeah it's it's a balance and there are exceptions you know you're not right. going to sacrifice your health just for you know making it a little bit closer and a little less you yeah
1: country. well would you like to share a little bit about that like how come you chose Icelandic flake salt is like um instead of because I know there's a lot of this sea salt out there and people might be familiar with I don't know Himalayan salt and mm. stuff like I love Saltic the, salt, yeah
2: I I wanted, I wanted the best, like with anything, I want the best, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm my own best consumer of my products, you know? (laughs) And so I wanted the best and with salt, what are the red flags that pop up, right? Microplastics where it's harvested. Um, And then you've got rock salt versus sea salt. And so understanding that, but Iceland, right? There's a geothermal, there's two geothermal plants there and we work with one of those. And so... You know they they did the test. They showed they had the most nutrient density. It was done sustainably, so and it was the most is the purest. You know, so the numbers and the the lab data showed it. And like for me, just to want to even get behind salt because a lot of people are anti-salt. You know, and uh, the the word salt or salvation or sal saliva, right? The Roman soldiers were paid in salt as their salary, so. You know, it, it's like when you sweat, you lick your sweat; it's salty, right? And we know we're all mineral deficient. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and for me, the ocean is like like if you get dehydrated, you go to the hospital; they're gonna, you know, IV drip you with uh, saline, which mm. is purified ocean water, right? So, mm. the the matrix, the mineral matrix, um, is why I got behind the salt. The obviously, I went behind the Icelandic because it's the purest, and it, it's. Yeah, it's the most expensive, but it's got the less, you know, carbon footprint. It's all, you know, Iceland's got it down. It's all geothermal, right? So they run everything off the earth um, and it tastes the best, Um, you know, which again is like indicative to the density of the minerals. You use less. But the the other reason why I got behind it is because I, you know, I used to drink spring water religiously and, and I just found out that through a heavy metal analysis on myself that I kept getting like high heavy metals, you know, and I was like, what is it? And then I sometimes wouldn't feel hydrated, you know, and I was drinking just super hard spring water when it wasn't soft and it had a lot of calcium to magnesium ratio. So the Mm. the ratio was off, you know, the magnesium Mm. wasn't there. And so I knew I needed to purify water and basically strip it of everything like what they call dead water. Um, and then reinvigorate that water with the right mineral matrix. And I was like, what, what not a better way to do that than with Icelandic sea salt that I turn into a brine. And so by turning that into a brine, I can then add that to my purified water and then spin and charge that water um, and then incubate that water. Uh, you know, water is yeah. everything. It is. Yeah. So, if, if people just change their water quality, holy moly, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, So, yeah, yeah, I went with Icelandic because it's it's the best. It's all there for us to see, you know, Um, definitely not the cheapest, uh, but it's the best. Mm, And I guess
0: it repays you in, um, yeah, replenishing those minerals in the body. So what you might not be getting from food.
2: Uh, Oh, absolutely. And if you think about like in the perfect world, we would be getting most of our minerals not from food. We'd be getting it from water. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we're basically a water vessel. Mm. Mm. Like, you know, you can pray over food, but there's no holy tomatoes. There's only holy water. Water mm. is, you know, <laughs> God spoke the word over the water. Like, exactly. water is. Oh my gosh! Mm. Like it's everything. And mm. how have you so- found
0: that as well with? you know, salt, as you said, like it's been sort of demonized over time because of what's in so much processed food. And-
2: yeah, which is totally different than like Even sea salt from, you know, uh, the Jordan River or in Greece, you know, or wherever they're harvesting all, from all over the world, you know, I mean, there's a salt mine in Utah in, in America. So, but yeah, you know, the, that's all that again, it's just like information overload, right. With how they put stuff out and they just they try to confuse us. That's how they win the war It's confusion. And they're doing a good job right now with most people. People are so confused right now. I don't know what to think or believe. And-
1: yeah, it's true. Yeah, confusion is the key. And But hopefully this makes it less confusing for people, what we're trying to bring at least, and get people to, as you said as well, I wanted to touch mm-hmm. basically really briefly on what you said before, which is so true, and which is what we want to... Um, Get across through this season of the podcast is so much as that you say saying getting connected to your spirit and understanding mm-hmm. what's right for you and not listening to a chosen philosophy based off a documentary you watch or whatever Government. that is, which the ego wants to take hold. An opinion. an opinion, an opinion, exactly. It's yeah, like
2: it's that's not truth. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The truth is that you're going to be found within and right. by eating those foods, it kind of helps you to find more of that truth as well. So it just, uh, sparks it. exactly. Yeah. So that was something that's a uh, love and it's something we really want to sort of share constantly yeah, you is can getting
0: never really go wrong when you're listening um, or tapping into that own guidance because they're always going to bring out new research about foods. What is bad? What, you know, causes this, but if you know, you just stick to what feels right for you, um, all that's sort of irrelevant, you know, you won't jump on the whole, like, eggs are bad, fat's bad, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, no, they're good,
2: (laughs) you know. And granted, it takes, um, people like us who are pretty advanced in nutrition to be able to even have this conversation. So, I, I, when we talk like this, I think about, the people that don't understand that, I think about the three hundred pound overweight guy on on medication. Yeah. He's going to do what feels right. And I'm going to eat this Twinkie again, right? And so yeah. it's just like so, di- it's such a disconnect from where it's at. And so we mm. just have to, you know, pray mm. and, and pray for those people and pray that, you know, ultimately that they will be able to find that path, which might be a crappy MLM company that sells crappy supplements, but it might get them closer to then realize mm. what we're talking about mm. now. You mm. know, yeah. yeah. Oh, and I, I think a lot I, of that. I, I think about that, right? You know, it's like mm. yeah, and that
0: also comes from like a a willingness to take responsibility as well, and also you know do some of that other work on connecting, um, <laughs> connecting to your spirit.
1: Mm. Yeah, who, who just... wants to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, that's
2: for sure. Oh man, yeah. I like going to the depths <laughs> of my crap. That's for sure. It's mm. it's where the gems are. Yeah, yeah unless we're ready to mm. do the work. Yeah. might as well hang your and hat the, yeah.
0: and they haven't made it easy you know they haven't made a system where it's easy for people to take responsibility it's been the opposite I think we're going to talk about this in our next podcast as well yeah. but um, you know everything's designed so that people don't have to take responsibility it falls to the experts or it falls to the people in authority so you know it, it does take a bit to go against that grain but it's yeah, it's definitely worth taking those baby steps towards that and questioning things.
2: Right. And the gyms are in the journey, not in the destination. Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm.
1: Yeah.
2: No. Exactly. Pretty well said. I
1: like that. We'd like to say one more thing we want to like, I guess we we'll wrap up is like, if is there's something that you would like others to know about, I guess, food and nutrition that you feel that'd be a great sort of message to leave people out there with,
2: you know, I think that everyone should start growing something and, and, understanding before i talk about what diet's the best or what food you should be taking grow something and even if you live in an apartment you can grow a, a basil plant and and just start to connect back to mother earth
0: mm. and eat it without washing it as well you know get some of those soil mics
2: yeah yeah if you feel inclined to do that yeah but I, like for me like just a that's it that's really it you know grow something
0: mm. And for those who are in Australia, um, we are very fortunate to have the Diggers Club, which is, um, it keeps all the heirloom seeds and tries to, you know. Um, Monsanto
1: can't have yeah. seeds <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it tries to keep that tradition going of growing heirloom seeds. So if you're, yeah, fortunate enough, um, I'm sure there's a equivalent in America. Um, but yeah, that's a really good thing to check out so you can get some of those, you know, really good seeds as well.
2: Yeah. You
1: know it's really good. So yeah, I mean, Charles, there's so much we can really just unpack, which is great, but I'm conscious of time and I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us today. And it's the best place to be able to send people to look, find out more about your work and your website.
2: Yeah, you can go to the website. The best place that I'm at is Instagram. And if you really want to get to know me, go to the story. You know, I've really tried to just focus on that one platform instead of trying to do YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. I. I'm not there. I don't have time for all that. But I do do my story on Instagram. So I started that like this year and I'm going to stick to it. I'm real bad about it in the last five, six years. Like, but I'm, I'm sticking to that and just trying to be extremely transparent on my journey. Like when I cut my finger, like, I didn't want to show people I cut my finger. You know, like, I my wife too, my kids sometimes. But yeah. Instagram story you can check out the site too if you'd like yeah we'll link all that
1: yeah I put links in there yeah I I do I can I can vouch for that the Instagram stories are great and I mean I'd I'd love to watch them as well because it's just something like yeah that's what I think people really resonate with as well is that getting to know the people behind it as well. And everything that goes in the process, they don't want to see just a, I guess a perfect image, like as a lot of Instagram can be about as well. And it can could be a lot of sort of, um, uh, I guess, yeah, a lot of people promoting different aspects of it. it might be just a photo there in their abs. And it's like, when you're, you're, you're on your farm and you're showing what you need to show. And I think people can resonate a lot with that. So we'll link mm-hmm. everything into the show notes as well. Use for those
0: platforms for good.
2: <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me today. And, it's been an honor to get to know you guys and to to meet you guys both virtually now. And, yeah, you too. And everyone needs to go to the blue blockers. <laughs> so and I know a guy who sells some. We're really good. So maybe we can link those in the that's, show notes as well. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so good. I love that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks for joining us.
1: If you're enjoying our show so far, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode.
0: And it means a lot to us if you leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as well as share this with friends and family, which will help us get this crucial knowledge out there.
1: If you'd like to connect with us, head on over to Instagram at liveholisticallyau, where you can learn more and ask us anything. See, See
2: you next time. time.